Howdy neighbors. This is Nelfly Flynn, one of your uh, Blurred Assassins next door here with the remainder of our neighbors, Cranston, Sonia, Otto, Nikki, and William. And we are here in the other hood discussing tonight our favorite junk food TV. Those of you all who are following this know that last week we discussed our comfort food TV. But tonight we are going to be discussing those television shows that we would be ashamed to let anyone else know that we actually enjoy. So uh, with that, I want to get started with talking about the weather. And um, at the top of my list, look at the phone list this time. Sonia, you're at the top of the list. How's the weather? It was initial. It was initially really, really, really hot. Well, not Dallas hot, but for North Georgia hot, like 95, 96 without the heat index. And uh. then it downpoured. And enough to turn off lights and, and, and make you wonder if uh, I had my phone charging, just in case I had to take it by the phone um, between power bursts. Wow. And it dropped it down, I think, right now. It's like seven, uh, 80 degrees. So it rained long enough that it kept it unmuggy until the sun could set. Well, congratulations. At least you got some rain. Yeah, well, it had been raining before. Before it had been raining every morning, and then stopping at eleven. So, but when you finally got out, it was just muggy heat, blasting you in the face with the hundred and five heat index. Ooh, okay. That's so this time it, yeah, this time it happened in the evening. So it was oh, a little well, better. At least you got rain. Well, at least you got the rain. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm, you know, envious of you getting rain. All right, we'll, well, send, then, we'll push it your way. I appreciate it. I would like some. And Nikki, are you all getting rain in the sunny South? No, 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 it was 95 degrees and very uncomfortable here today. No rain at all. None. Wow. Wow. Zero. Zero. Have you had any at all this past week? Oh, yeah. We had some yesterday. We had some. Oh, that's nice. We didn't have anything today, but it was just so hot. Even with the air run, it just—it was just so hot. Wow, I understand that oppressive heat. How hot was it? Um, it was ninety-four degrees. Yeah, that's hot. It's hot. It is. And with no rain. It's starting right. to cool off. Well, but it cools off at night, though, right? Yeah. Okay, all right, cool. Well, Otto, talk about your temperatures. So in the place that I'm at, it doesn't cool off at night. It gets hotter. So when the sun goes down, that's where the temperatures go up. So apparently it's it's normal for it to be 100 degrees at night. So I I, I appreciate Nikki and Sonya. They're, They're cute. Very cute. But you know they got rain and stuff like that. I, I wish we had went rain. I, I uh, we haven't had rain since June. So Uh-oh. once again, do people in hell get weather reports? I just ask. That's- yeah, but this is just you know, there's a normal occurrence now. So, no reports. Hot and hotter. Those are your your heat indexes. 
hot and hotter. All right. Well, Cranston, how are you doing? With the well, it's, uh, I remember on the news one, well, the, uh, the local PBS station at the top of the hour gives a weather update and they have gone to playing little cute background music at first. It was, uh, it was a tropical heat wave, and now it's just that uh, whatever the song is, where the refrain is hot, hot, hot. So yeah, it's, yeah. Been, it's been uh, averaging uh, over a hundred uh, for briefly all week, and uh, it threatens to rain, but it doesn't. So uh, that's that's been about it. Wow. Okay. I hate to ask, but William, how's your weather? It's about 72 degrees, sunny, nice breeze outside. Um, but you know what? What? Did we lose William? Losing my connection. So I, I'm, I'm just gonna, I, I'm, I, I'm gonna leave, and I'll catch up with you guys next week. Uh, what happened? Well, I gotta figure out a better way of getting this router. He keeps turning off. Yeah, his, turning his, his nice weather. His nice weather. He has lovely weather. Yes. Yeah, interrupting his water flow. Yeah. See, with us, he wouldn't have any problems. So all our stuff is nice and dry with no problem with connection because there's nothing to interfere. Yeah, because no, that no shit weather. is on fire. Yeah. I, we live in fire. That's why. Yeah. I, I wish I had the, you know, the issue of... Uh, Lovely weather is just causing me kind of connection problems. Yeah, sorry about that. But I, I'm 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 trying to figure out a way to turn my phone so I don't get whatever it was you're gonna get. But it's just not working. Okay. So I'll catch up with you guys next week. Okay. All right, bye. Bye. Bye bye. Yeah, I mean, that's it. what can you do, you know, when that kind of thing happens, you know, when the routers are off. I mean, it happens to us every now and then, too. And especially, like, the time that I had the issue with the sound, I could not figure out what the heck is going on. Just like when we Cranston, you know, I got the sound, it went out, and I couldn't figure it out what was going on, why, and having to shut everything down, start all over, you know, so it's just one of those things. All right, well, with that, Let's get started. And uh, of course, our issue is our junk food TV. Now, we talked last week about those types of shows that, you know, are our comfort food and they give us all comfort. So what is it that we watch that, you know, may not be comfort, but certainly things that we enjoy, but that, you know, may not be the things that we tell, you know, anyone that we are really into. So... Let me know. Uh, how about Nikki? What are your junk food TV shows? I like watching court shows like Judge Mathis, um, Divorce Court, and stuff like that. And Jerry Springer. I used to love watching Jerry Springer, everybody. You know what? At the beginning, when it was at its you know infancy, the Jerry Springer show, you know, was, you know, funny, interesting, whatever, you know, good, like, again, you know, junk food TV. But then Jerry Springer started to just kind of go off 
the rails, like these theme shows and all this kind of wild stuff. So I had had to get off the the, the crazy Jerry train, and um, that's when it was good. On. <laughs> I mean, okay. I'm going to tell you when you know when a store or the show like that starts to you know kind of lose its 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 uh, focus is when you start knowing the names of the people who are not the main people in the show. Like you shouldn't have to know what the names are of the people in Jerry Springer that like, you know, the what do you call those henchmen or thugs he had in the background. You shouldn't have to oh, know the they got their own they got their own show. Yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. that crazy though. That's when you know, okay, this is kind of going off the rails. That should be just like a background person, you know? That was a good show. I like Jerry Springer. <laughs> But like I said, I remember back in the beginning of the Jerry Springer show, and especially I think because it was like an answer to the more serious uh, talk shows like Phil Donahue and, you know, Oprah Winfrey, um, you know, people of that ilk. And, and so this was, was like an answer to that. Back in the day, before then, when I was living in Philadelphia and I'd go visit my friend in New Jersey, I used to watch, I don't know if you all remember, I used to watch that show, the Morton Downey show, too. Oh, my gosh. I forgot all about that show. Yep. The Morton, yeah, yeah, I remember that. And Thomas, his, uh, when his uh, numbers started to go down, and so he mm. faked being uh, he faked being attacked by um, Nazis, neo-Nazis or something. Nazis. Yeah. And then yeah. he yeah. took on his forehead, yeah. Yeah, oh, you know, the, what's that guy from, um, what is that show from Empire? He must just trying to take a page out of his book. Didn't work. Didn't work at all. Yeah, bring you the one Both of them, times. so there you go. Yeah, Jerry Springer was, Jerry, Jerry Springer was garbage. I liked it. I liked it. And what I liked most about his garbage was that at the end of his garbage, he would just, like, final thoughts. Like, you did, you, you did all this, and now you got final thoughts. Really? <laughs> yeah, right. That's a mess. This is horrible uh, circus. And then, yeah, they got final <laughs> thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, but you know, I watched the, the thing begin, like I said, infancy, Jerry Springer in his infancy, the Morton Downey Jr. I've forgotten about that show. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. everybody was watching that at one point, but all of those things I think were just like the beginning of the end for. Um, you know, basically, in truthfulness in um, yep. this uh, reporting and journalism, you, you know, so? everything, everything was like you know, fantastic, what's it, fantasized or whatever, what it, just this insane, just mm -hmm. you know. I but that was on that was on only doing like the daytime though. More yeah, than yeah. came on at night. See, there, there's certain things that you can watch to me. Mm -hmm. Certain things you watch in the daytime that's allowable, and certain things at night. So, to me, uh, Jerry Springer is perfect during the day. Yeah, yeah. You know? But at night, I don't know. Yeah, I used to watch it at night too. Jerry Springer at night? I don't remember it coming on at night. But then maybe because I just didn't look for it at night. But I don't remember. I remember it coming on during the day. You know. No, that I was the beauty of syndication. On. Yeah, that yeah. was the beauty of syndication. It could come on whenever the station, local station wanted it. Yeah, well, for us, yeah, we always thought, I mean, obviously, 
girl at Nikki's saw it during the evening and during the day, but I, or maybe it's just that I wasn't paying attention because it could very well have been on and I just wasn't paying attention. It was also on in Panama City and Tallahassee overnight after mm -hmm. all the late night shows, mm -hmm. before the uh, news took over those filler times, like two, 12 and 12 to four or 12 to five, a lot of local stations would repeat them then too. Really? Well, that's how people get all caught up on that. In the middle mm -hmm. of the night, you know, after they were eating dinner and they are susceptible to, you know, that uh, hypnotic, uh, Time, you know, we get the soporific effect of it. It was also a good relief mm -hmm. for the news because the news was always such horrible stuff. Mm -hmm. Are you kidding? It made you feel how could, better. How could news be more? How could news, news be more horrible than uh? Garbage ahead of Because your life wasn't as bad as those people. The stuff in the news could happen to you. The stuff on Jerry Springer and all that pro probably would never happen to you. Oh no, man! It was their life, not your life. Um. Oh no, man! I'm not. I'm, I mean, I'm not trying to disparage anybody, but I can't. I can't take that hillbilly nonsense in the in night. I had a great conversation with Har how I met Harlan Ellison. Was at a World Horror Con. He was talking about how writers are having such a difficult time when every and he said Tom Dick and Shaniqua are on Jerry Springer, and then he looked and saw me in the audience, and he came over after the panel to apologize. For using such a racial generation uh, uh, disparaging, I said, but it's funny how all those Shaniquas on um, Jerry Springer are white. Yeah. And he just looked at me and went, Touche, let's go to lunch. So he paid for my lunch that day. Whoa. Oh. I don't know. I have been waiting, stated breath, moment to say, knocks on my door, say, Hey, I'm your husband's baby mama. Let's go get DNA tests. Yeah, but you get a free, you get a free trip to Chicago and a hotel stay. Hey, you know what? DM. It seems all worth it to me all of a sudden. It is. Are you kidding? No, but I like I like Springer before I found out that the purity of of the show had been tainted uh, when they started stacking these people. Uh, up and it wasn't just like random people coming up, but they were right. people would be outrageous. It kind of lost its innocence when they did that. And I said, you know, this is just staged enough, you know, because they would have, you know, the pies from the throwing the face backstage, uh, yeah, kinds of stuff. And so it just it got to be like more performance art among people who had no artistry than anything else. Yeah, yeah. especially when you knew that. You know, you set your clock by when it was that the quote-unquote fight was going to begin. No, no, here's the, here's the thing. It's like, me and you are married, right? And then we on stage, and then they bring out this other woman that I'm having an affair with, and then <laughs> I, I come out later on, and I bring her flowers. And I go and I go past you and give her some flowers. Where the hell did that come from? Come on, y'all. Well, that was their cue to start the fight, so that's what yeah. kind of you know. <laughs> Flowers. Yeah, you can set your clock by it. We'll say, what? Oh, is it almost time of the fight? Okay. Yeah. And as he yeah, walks past always, with the flowers, he, as he walks past with the flowers, Penelope grabs them out of your hand and beats you and the other lady with them. Yeah, I used to like that. Yeah, and and the other lady is always wearing a wig. Always got a wig. And it comes wig. off. Yes. Yeah. That wig comes yes, off. Rip the wig off. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, you said as after a while, you had to say performance art, you know, it just became but but, but think about know. it. The 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 trip that the people get to the show, yeah, and they get a and they get, you know, they get drinks before the show and they get food and stuff, is no way comparison to the amount of money that show made in the advertising. Right. They generated absolutely but they mm-hmm. you know, they they didn't realize that, didn't know it, weren't concerned with it. They just thought, you know, getting a trip to Chicago and get to, you know, hang out, you know, maybe be discovered, quote unquote. You know, that's the thing they're thinking could possibly happen. I'm down with it. I'm down with that. Well, actually, I think what, what appealed to them is we had a, uh, a local paper and uh, a local black news, uh, news weekly, and they would have the police reports. And I don't know if they do that in other places, but here, the police reports within reason are, are public notices and they would print, they'd print up copies of the arrest reports and uh, put them in like in a, uh, in a letter tray. And then you could just come into the police station, pick them up and go out. So that's what this newspaper would do. And they would take all of the uh, police reports that had black people in them. And when they did that originally in the early sixties, it was supposed to be sort of, um, I guess virtue shaming that they would put you in the paper with your name and what you did, mm-hmm. and you would be uh, shamed and, and, and be uh, and shamed into better behavior. But what happened was it became your 15 minutes of fame. And so, if your name was in the police reports that week, you would get copies of the paper and show it to people bragging that, hey, you made the paper. And so, uh, I think that's what. Uh, a lot of these people did with Springer. It was the fact they were going to be on TV for some notoriety, and back home you would be a hero for five minutes, you know, while you were uh, having Steve, you know, pull you off this other person that came out. Yeah. It became that self-aware that it was no longer, you know, it wasn't really entertaining anymore because they had broken the fourth wall and just uh, not just broken it but trampled it down with. Or, uh, ill behavior. Right. Although I do admit I like the uh, gyrations and the crazy things they would do on Mari when you were told you were not the father. Yeah, that too. I like that. Yeah, with the women that they run off the stage and they're crying upset. Come on, if this is not the father, you probably had a pretty good idea that it wasn't. So what is all this, you know, hullabaloo? Yeah, but was that one lady that went on ten times and still couldn't find the father? Well, oh, the yeah. worst one I saw. This this might be the same one. This was her third time on the show, and it was like that scene from uh, Life, the uh, uh, Martin Lawrence. I think it was it Ma- Martin Lawrence and Eddie Murphy movie where the um, uh-huh. the warden was trying to figure out who had knocked up his daughter. So they had like eight or 10 guys on the stage and they were all black. And of course she was white and they had them all lined up, you know, like a, uh, like a suspect line or something. And Mari just went down the road saying, you know, Jamal, you are not the father, uh, whoever you are not the father. And so now the guys are all break dancing and high-fiving each other and all uh-huh. this kind of stuff. By the time they got to the sixth guy, she had run off the stage. And of course, they had a counselor backstage to talk to her. 
no, I think they should have had somebody backstage to tranquilize her or something like that, or, um, you know. But uh, I said, okay, that, that's a little bit too much and everything, you know, so. The people backstage to try to encourage you not to leave and to go back out there so they can continue making money off of you. Alcohol. Yeah. Oh. Alcohol. You know? Get no, no, no. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't get upset. No, I mean, I'm not lying. They had, plenty, they had plenty, of, had plenty of alcohol. Yeah, yeah. Get back out there and and tell your your truth. Tell your truth. Yeah, you're not gonna let them get away with that, are you? I mean, this is awful what they did to those people. I mean, just oh, use the heck we, out of but, it. But we watched it. Yep, yep, yep. I'm sure we did. I'll come home and do what I had to do and eat dinner and get ready to watch Jerry Springer, Maury Povich, my judge. No, you know the thing is, though? Mm -hmm. The thing is about what Nikki just said makes it worse. Why? Because she she actually got ready to watch it. So it's not like it it happened to be on or something. It was a planned activity, which makes it even more of a tragic scene. Well, no, but that's the whole point of this. That is junk food TV that we yeah. to do these things. I mean, that this stuff you're not necessarily running out and telling everybody you're doing, but this is how you are ending so your day, getting your it's day. Planned, planned right. watching. Right. We plan to do these things. This is our our junk food. Well, Especially let's, let's talk about how we consume. How how do we consume junk food? Do we eat junk food because we happen to see a bag of chips, or do we plan to eat a bag of chips? Well, you got to make sure that you have the chips at home or whatever before you eat them. So sure, you plan that, right? Yep. Mhm. It, it's not accidental. I mean, just to walk in your house and say, "Hey, here's a bag of chips," that just happened to get here for some crazy reason. You know, you buy that. You you know you. Make that purchase. You know, this is the thing that you have decided. Yeah, but you but you may come home and plan to eat a healthy dinner. But you know what? You say, I'm tired. I'm grabbing a bag of chips and I'm jumping in the bed. You know, exactly. But you know what? You had the chips there. It was not oh, accidental that the chips were in your house. So you know, you know, where to get the chips. You know, I mean, that thing you're talking about is something maybe that would happen to me, for instance. Because, I mean, again... I don't know what channel anything is on, right? I don't want time things come on. So yeah, it is most you know likely that for me, I would. Oh, you know what? That's the biggest. That's the biggest BS I've ever heard. It's true. And and you know where to find that shit. Don't stop. Stop. Stop playing. Stop playing. You you say it, but you know, but you know it's true. I don't know what channel anything comes on. You know, I really. I mean, the certain things. So you absolve. You absolve of all. Of all the uh, uh, participation in junk food TV eating. No, I mean, like for instance, let's say, um, back in the day, right? Let's say LA Law, which at the beginning was not junk food TV, but became junk food TV. Of course, I knew what day LA Law came on. You know, I knew that. But you know, a lot of other things I don't know what time they say. Put us on, you know, turn on the television when you start watching something. You just come in and start watching with them. But uh, yes, certainly, for instance, like, uh, of course, my my king of junk food TV is uh, Nip Chow. Um, I, I guess I saw the show. 
watched it all over again and probably watched it a third time. And it was just as much garbage and trash the third time as it was the first time. But I, I mean, I absolutely loved it, you know, loved the show. I mean, and it went completely off the rails, you know, I mean, it's bad enough to start with. But then when it went off the rails, I still watched it. So, you know, because it's one of those shows where even after it went off the rails, they always had like these little gems, you know, in story and in character development that elevated it, you know, even just briefly. You know, that's I think Ryan Murphy, you know, your thing, man. I mean, I, I thought it was just great entertainment. I, I mean, that is my number one guilty pleasure. Yeah. Well, there's there's one thing that I like about Hip Chuck. You don't like about yourself. Remember that? Because, the show. So what now? Tell me what you don't like about yourself. That's what they ask every client when they came in to get their stuff done. Tell us what you don't like about yourself. You know, that's their, their opening. Their opening bid to their clients, their, their patients. And then start telling you all the stuff that needs to be done to you. It was wonderful. Go on, I'm sorry, Chris, and I was, I was musing there for a moment. Go ahead. Yeah, now I'm looking back at it, you know, that's a thing that, you know, if, if you said that, you know, what could, what would, could you possibly say that would, um, that would, that would fit that and stuff? So, well, you know, I wish I was taller, you know, something like that, but, um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, but I mean, and they will tell you anything, it's like you look at yourself. Woman, uh, Z-Way on her show. I remember, I don't know if it was on her show or just was doing some report. And the guy that she went to a um, plastic surgeon. So, what do you know? What do we think I, you know, need to have done? I mean, look at Z-Way. There's nothing that needs to be done to her. But man, he went down a whole list, a list of things that were put wrong with her that she should have fixed. You know, her fit, her face, her nose, her lips. You know, shape her chin. All this kind of stuff. And it's kind of like uh, there's nothing wrong with me, but they were sure as hell find something wrong with you, you know, that requires money to fix. Yeah. Well, the 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 the, the wildest thing that they had done, and I don't know how, how far into the run this was, but it was the kind of thing that even as you sat there watching it, you said, could they really do this? But it was just so out there until you you said well, you knew they could somehow. You just want to see that. And this was an episode where the client was a uh, woman who uh, had been a victim of uh, female circumcision. And so what they did was they uh, they had fashioned the missing body part of one of her toes. And, of course, it worked. And I'm looking at this thinking, could you really do that? But, you know, it was just so over the top. Well, but you know what? That is a thing. I mean, I don't know if this is specifically with a toe is where they get it with the, the nerve endings from. This has some very sensitive nerve endings in order to do it. But um, yeah, I mean, in fact, I know where we are that there is a group of women, surgeons, that are um, some of them from the Middle East, some of them from Islamic, who have gone through this, you know, type of, uh, I don't know, the torture or whatever you want to call it mutilation that have a practice is an all women's practice and that is what they do so that is a thing 
Hmm. Okay. Do you think they trivialized uh, an important uh, issue or concern? I didn't think so. You know, the way it was presented, it was it was showing how traumatizing it could be to the victim and how uh, you know relieved they were that they could get they could get back to to normal and everything. So that was really so. So I don't think they trivialized it the way they do some of the things, like you know, if it was the hair graft or something like that. Well, but the other thing that outmatched it for that I loved was because their practice was in my well initially was in Miami. It was great when it was in Miami. It got bad and, from LA. It was great and, in Miami, though. Yeah. But every but every other episode they were fixing something that some other um surgeon had botched. And because it, it was said in Florida they would use real places for where these other surgeries took place. And most of them took place in Jacksonville, you know. So I said, "Yeah, okay, I can, I can, I, I'll go along with that." So, was it Jacksonville, really? Was it Jacksonville? Well, it was. Uh, uh, it was their practice was in Miami, but there was always some some hack surgeon in Jacksonville who had screwed up the uh, the uh, client they had for that week, and so they managed to correct this work. Yeah. Would have think they would have reported these guys after a while, but you know, business is business. Yeah, but I'll say, yeah, that's my hometown on the map. We got a shout out, you know, so. Also, the one I thought, I thought you were going to mention, the one about the woman who wanted to look like a cat and that Christian Troy actually did that ish. And her friends are like, are you crazy? It says she's off her meds. (laughs) (laughs) They make her look like a cat. And say so you could put her back the way she was. There's an actual woman who did that though. Isn't that insane? And the doctor did that. Yep. And they made it look like a cat. Yep. And I saw well, what was somebody had their self to make them look like a human uh, reptilian dragon face person. It's like well, you know what though? You just can't let people do what they want to do. <laughs> look at Michael Jackson. Look at Michael Jackson. Nobody, nobody ever got there's one doctor, that black doctor. That got that went to jail or did he go to jail? I'm not sure, but yeah, yeah he went to jail. He yeah, be out. he's the only one. He's the only dude that, that ever took uh, uh, anything. You know, got any damage from the things that the medical profession did to Michael Jackson. It's horrible. Yeah, but, he's not know, the only, he's not the only guy, but it's he's the one that they, they they hung it all on. Well, there are other elective surgeries that people will do and other things you have to say, well, you know, are these people really qualified to be doing these things? But uh, a lot of people decide they want to get their, their like their tongue split. So they get, you know, for that reason. And, you know, it's, it's something they have to wonder, what is your thought process the day you decide to get that done? Let's say I got to pick up the dry cleaning, get the car washed. Uh, oh, and get my tongue split, you know. So. Well, you know, the, the, the things that, you know, professionals, people come to you to ask you to do. And, then you, and you know that you, you shouldn't be doing it. But if you do it, be ready to give up your license to do whatever you're doing. Yeah. But apparently that that's not the case in the medical profession. So. Yeah. Well, I know it, it seems to be that thing about, you know, thing about do no harm. So if you say, well, it's not going to really harm this person, except we get it like reconnected later. But, um, you know, the harm they did to Michael Jackson's nose and his skin and put a cleft in his chest. I mean, I, maybe, 
maybe. Well, I mean, I th a lot of it, I think, is, you know, all these quote unquote cosmetic surgeries and stuff that they do to people. You know, in the old days, in order to get stuff done, you would actually have to have a psychiatrist to say that it was okay. That you think you that not... Jackson, you think that Jackson wouldn't have enough money to pay off some psychiatrist or write a note? I mean, I'd probably, but I'm just saying that, you know, people professionals are supposed to say, you know, you probably shouldn't be doing this. You know, that you got some other issues that you need to be addressing. And this is just, you know, a, a you know, symptom. It might have stopped the cat woman or the lizard person. But once your check clears, they will say, but for your psychological well-being, this is in your best interest. So, yeah, okay, I'll do it. But I mean, the thing is, I, I think a lot of that stuff, you know, I'm just like, you know, getting off the rails. Like, it's like pop psychology. You know, a lot of people are the mind that when you do this thing, that they'll say, if it feels good, do it kind of mindset. You know, so that means that it's a slippery slope, you know, for any and everything. Something's just, you know, what's, what's true is true. What's false is false. It's like, no, you are not a cat. You are a human being. And you want to put on this thing, we have to understand as you're doing it that that's what it is. That you are I want to look like a cat. Right, right. And that's fine. You, as long as you understand that you just want to look like a feline, but you are not a feline. You know, those are the things I think that you know, just to understand what is it you're doing, because you get you blur the lines between what is reality and what is fantasy. And especially, I mean, I mean on a different program, you know, talk about. But things that why that is a, a very dangerous thing, but um, you know, I I mean, I loved it, though. I thought it was a great, great show. You know, I mean, it dealt with everything, everything. You know, one end of the spectrum to the other, just crazy, crazy. But I love the show. That's my my ultimate, a uh, junk food TV, guilty pleasure. No absolute redeeming characteristics whatsoever. It is you know zero calories. Okay. Zero, zero good calories, you know, nothing to give you any um, sustenance. Fantastic. Okay. Uh, anybody else have a, anyone, anyone else have their favorite, you know, junk food TV show that you're well, ashamed to mention in public now? Well, I, I think that Nip Tuck is, is this kind of thing that happens when, when a show goes on a little bit too long. And uh, a lot of things to do, and so they're just grabbing a straw. So I wouldn't consider it necessarily uh, TV as much as it is. It jumps the shark at that point. To me, like real jump TV has to be like a fried Oreo. It has absolutely no nutritional value and no reason to exist. And uh, that's blasphemy. <laughs> Oreo. Okay, 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 okay. With that, you take that back. Now, now, with that said, what do you think falls into that category, Francis? Oh, there are so many things that fall into that category. Uh, it's hard to narrow them down, but I'll start with one that has started most And it's what comes on Vice, and you begin to wonder is Vice going to take the, uh, the, uh, the value of PLT? With the TCL of the Learning Channel and uh, History Channel, where they don't have anything really on there, uh, unless you consider Ancient Aliens as a 
real program, which is one that falls into that category too, but we will say that one later. But the new one they started is one called Resolve. And what this is, is they take all uh, cases of celebrity deaths and they're examined by what they're calling online sleuth. Like that's a real job. And uh, essentially, there are people that uh, trawl the chat rooms or they will put a theory out there. And they do have one or two people that are actually uh, have, do have some real journalistic integrity. Because this one guy has said that he chases down QAnon theories, anything out the rabbit hole or whatever it is that your aunt sends you without reading it first. So... All the, not everybody on there is totally bereft of principles, but the ones that call themselves online sleuths. And one is this woman who did a uh, a podcast or something that did help track down a uh, uh, serial killer or something like that. So, but but again, she was one of the people who. This is a show where people will say things like, "I needed to find more." Uh, in fact, she said it. She said, I needed to find more medical advice about this. So I went on Reddit and I said, yeah, that's a really good place to go to get, you know, real medical advice. But uh, this season, they did 10 episodes and they examined the death of uh, Bob Saget was the first one. And they did Heath Ledger. They did Prince. They did Anna Nicole Smith. Um and by the time they were beginning to run out of anybody that you'd heard of, so the last one was a, uh, a woman who was a publicist in uh, in uh, in 08 in Beverly Hills, and her case was they saw by the um, the uh, Beverly Hills police in, uh, concluded that her death was caused by a robbery that had been botched. And it was supposed to be this uh, black guy who was. Um, who was allegedly, because they don't have any real eyewitnesses that can verify these things, but they had heard people say it, that he said, that he said, like, when somebody tells you something they saw on, something their cousin saw on TV, but they can't tell you where they saw it. And this uh, woman who was, who was the one who was their credible person said, this was 2008 in Beverly Hills, a black man on a bicycle in Beverly Hills at 1230 at night, and nobody saw him. That's just ridiculous. And apparently the expressions on the face of the people filming her made her a minute to saying, I know that sounds terrible, but you know, that's that's the way it was back then. So uh, they go through these things and they'll put out these uh, rabbit hole theories that somebody put up, like they said that um, Bob Saget was really killed by a guy who thought that he, uh, that he made a joke about... Um, dating an underage woman and um and so the guy thought he was talking about her his daughter so that's who killed him or these other people that were killed by the russian mob or something like that so they go through an hour of these wild speculations and they conclude every episode saying but we really don't know what happened so you know but we're going to keep looking so it's an absolute waste of time and everything. And you should turn it off. But you said, okay, maybe they will stumble over something credible by accident. But so far, they haven't. Wow. So the whole you, show. And you watch this. You watch this. Uh, yeah. You watch it because, you know, you keep saying, well, maybe they will, will come up with something. I think when the one on Heath Ledger, they had this thing where they said, uh, 
they, they recreated the timeline, but of course this timeline isn't based on any real evidence like, oh, a 911 call or something like that, but it's based on what was reported in the press. And they said that um, the person who discovered his body said uh, she didn't call 911, but she had called um, who some, some uh, I can't think of who the celebrity was and stuff, but it was someone. And then they're speculating about, we never know that they were seeing each other, what they were dated or why she called and sent her bodyguards over instead of calling 911. He might have still been alive then. And then that's it. They never explain it. They never investigated any further. They just put it out there, you know, because they said that these people, uh, the one and the one about the Beverly Hills killing, they said that the uh, Beverly Hills police were not forthcoming in revealing um, what they were doing. And I'm thinking just from watching other cop shows, well, could it be because it was an ongoing investigation and that's not how police work works? But um, are they just are they just incompetent? That, that's yeah, that's what they said. They were incompetent. They didn't look hard enough. They didn't investigate the things, and they would say something like, "Um, it could she he, she could have been killed for artwork that her brother, uh, used to gamble, and so he could have owned owned the owed the Russian mob money, and that's why they killed her to make an example." And after they bring that up and everything, with all the research they found to uh, to do that. And they come back and say, but it turns out he didn't know anybody anything. So, no, it wasn't that after all either. So, why say it? Because uh, they have to kill an hour. And the thing is, you begin to, uh, there was, there's a book called The Nixon Recession Caper about these four businessmen who decide to rob a bank because they've lost money in the uh, in whatever inflation was going on. And one of the guys was a uh, was a movie producer. And he said because he was a producer, he could never sit in an audience and watch a movie like a normal person because he's sitting there saying, okay, that crane shot cost $10,000. It could have done without that. But this is why I see this edit didn't come in or something like that and everything. So you listen to these things, and after a while, you begin to say, well, did they have to repeat that for the fourth time, or did they have to come back you know, with this again or something like that? So you listen to it and pick it apart at all the places that this thing just really falls apart, you know. But yeah, it's it's a total waste of time and stuff. But it's the kind of thing that you can do without watching the screen. You can do something like really important and just listen to it and figure out what's going on. Because you know, after the commercial break, they're going to bring the same stuff up again. Uh, but so far, of all the people who died, uh, with a possible exception of maybe Anna Nicole Smith is that they concluded that, well, we don't know what really killed them and stuff or anything, or uh, or they'll bring out something like in Prince's case, they said that uh, it was known in his inner circle that he'd been on like painkillers for a long, long time and stuff, and, and, and that generated into drug use and everything like that. But again, it's only what people on the inside said on the, on the um, on the uh, thing of anonymity, they didn't want to say this, I guess, because they didn't want to be sued by his family or something like that. But died for fentanyl. Yeah, no, it was uh, just it was regular. Uh, it wasn't fentanyl; it was just regular prescription uh, painkillers, and it was a um, and it was a combination of them that uh, that took him out. You know, but how sad. Well, you know what. I remember one time, like I told Penelope, I, I, I went to uh, my mother's house 
she was elderly and I took my back was hurting. I took a painkiller and I think just like, you know, one pill, was, you know, basically took me to the depths of hell. I thought I wasn't going to come out. It's like, yeah, I didn't think I was going to recover from this pill. Oh, people of pills, a lot of medication. Oh, my God. That's yeah, that's crazy. Cause you think, oh, it's just a little pill, you know? Oh, yeah, it's elderly. Oh. I mean, how bad could it be? She's old. She's they they're not gonna give her anything too powerful. Yeah, you'd be surprised, man. Oh my god. <laughs> well, it, it was something. I was in the hospital for something, and I was like squirming and everything because you know how well men tolerate pain and everything like that and stuff. Yeah. And yeah. so this uh, nurse came over and said, "Would you like something uh, to 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 make you feel comfortable?" And I said, yeah. So I thought she was going to bring over like an Advil or something like that. And she has a needle. It says, okay, so I'm going to give you five cc's of morphine, you know. So give me, give me it. Yeah, five cc's isn't enough, but it's the thought, though, that they're so willing to, you know, shoot you up and stuff that's this reassuring. Are you kidding? If you yeah. came with that needle, I, took, I, I opened my, uh, my God, turned my ass upside down and said, go ahead. <laughs> Do your worst. Go yeah. ahead, girl. Get to get busy. Oh my God, y'all are crazy. I don't like pain. I I'm poor pain. Yeah, okay, well, yeah, you you just you you would definitely stay away from it. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> you said somebody's good. People just walking around with morphine. You said, yeah, hook me up, man. Give me it. Give no, me longer those experiences. You know what I'm saying? You have to stop with the with the injection. Just you know, hook me up to the IV. I'll be fine. But you know the yeah. good, the good, the good thing about it, I'm not, I'm not an addictive. Uh, I don't have the gene that 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 you know, causes people to become addicts. So, I could try all kinds of drugs. I'm never addicted. Wow. Literally, they say that what happens is if they know that you're in that your condition is terminal, you're not going to get any better, and everything, the pain is just really bad that the doctors will come in and say, okay, I'm going to give you this to help manage the pain and just take uh, two every hour for your pain. But don't take more than two because if you do, you may not wake up. And then wow. they give you a whole bottle of it and leave the room. I'm taking four, please. Now, why would they give it to you then? Because they want you to, that's your exit. Oh, okay. That's your exit. Okay, don't take any more than two. Yes, your interest to the ingress. Don't yeah. take more than that. You know, remember, be really careful with these because if you take more than two, it could put you out for good. So be really four. careful. No more than two. I'm taking four. Thank you, Doc. Appreciate and here's a whole you. bottle of them. So, you know, okay. You know, I'm just telling you, don't take more than two. I want to sleep, Reveal. Yeah. Well, I guess. Penelope, I mean, let me tell you. Let me tell you my, uh, just a couple of my, uh, uh, Your junk uh, food. Junk food, yeah. One is Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good junk. Ren and the Stimpy other, is good junk. Yeah, the other is Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, that was some good junk in his day as well. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the kind of thing that you, you like. Somebody came in the room and saw you watching, you try to throw the cover over the television. Yeah, but uh, the kids were watching this. Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah. yeah they were watching it, and I just Happen to sit down for a second and yeah, yeah, that's and the thing I, is, while you're watching it, you're enjoying it, but you also feel guilty. 
Yep, yep, yep. And guilty so pleasure. So you got that that good that good feeling of guilt, but also pleasure at the same time. That in few instances humans can really concentrate on. Yeah, well, there you go. I never felt guilty about Ren and Stimpy during its first run, but now that we know about uh, the yeah. creator, that kind of stuff, now I feel guilty about it. Yeah. You say, I, but you didn't know what this guy was, what, what he was into. You know? How could you have known? Yeah. But, you know, yeah, but you're back. And it's like, wow. Yeah, I should have known that anybody could write this. Probably had something but, but, but the thing is, though, does any of that show up in any of the cartoons? Uh, yeah, and that's the thing. You know, there's nothing that shows the cartoon that tells you no. about no. But, you know, you find out later, man, that person had issues. Yeah. yeah. His heart was full of blood. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, that's, that's the, you don't know what they cut. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Listen, you know what? I eat a steak. I don't know. know what they cut. I don't know what they cut off unless they left on. I'm eating a steak. So, you know, it's like, I got excuses for everything, y'all. So, it's, I mean, it's junk food. So, it's well, like beavers and butt. Beavers and Butthead. I got no reason to watch that. Yeah, yeah. But you watched it. I watched it, yeah. And I still watch it. I watched it, too. I don't watch it anymore, but I, I didn't even know actually that it was back on. Yeah, it's back on. Yeah. yeah. They just brought it back. Yep. Well, Beavers, there's one thing I always remembered from Beavers and Butthead, and I said, because uh, Mike Judge is really good, because he also did Office Space and yeah. uh, and Beavis and Butthead did have a lot of little things and stuff. And, and my favorite thing of all the things that they did, because I can identify with it, was um, one of them got an idea. And the light bulb appears over his head, and he's just standing there. And then a hand comes into the frame and screws the light bulb in, so the light finally comes on. And that's when he gets the idea. And I said, yeah, I can relate to that. It's like, it's like all those, if y'all remember in high school, all those stoner kids that you went to that were in high school with you, you remember like the French stoner kids? Remember those kids? Yeah, yeah, which yeah. the burnouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's them. Yep, the burnouts. show. Yep. Yeah, they go. Yeah, I, I had, a, I had a kid like that in my class, my history class. He used to make sounds like jungle sounds, like the you know the birds you hear in the jungle and stuff. No reason for him to make that noise, but he was really good. <laughs> I have no idea what happened to him, but you know what? He made my class more enjoyable. That's a, that's a Beavis and Butthead persona. Yeah. Well, you tell yourself, either he was in, in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, or, <laughs> oh, or that would be sad. Or he's the loan officer at your bank. You know, one of those two things. That, that's the only outcomes that he had. Well, I hope it's the latter, not the former, because or he's a CEO of a Fortune five, uh, four to five hundred company. That would make sense, you know. That would make sense, but you know, being on January sixth would be the the most horrible outcome I could think for that kid. Yeah, because he he was he he gave us so much pleasure. Yeah, he didn't get much of an education, but he at least no. gave you pleasure. So there That's you go. That's right. That's he the only thing that really is important. You know what, though, Pana, he didn't interfere with my education. That's the thing. Okay. That's the most important thing. That's the most, most important thing. And the thing with Venice Stimpy also didn't interfere with my education, but I felt guilty watching it. And you caught me several times watching. It's not porn or anything like that, right? 
I mean, I used to watch Ren and Stimpy. You watched it, right? We said, turn that, turn that off. I never did. I watched it. That never happened. That's in your dreams. I watched My issue was, of course, trying to sit watching Ren and Stimpy and determining how much of it our kids could watch. So that was the issue. Yeah, that's what you Kids can handle gross outs, and and kids, I think, have a better grip on reality than um, than adults do. Because I remember we were watching uh, when when my nieces and nephews were younger, and we were watching uh, the original Men in Black. And um, I think my niece at that time was like eight or nine years old, or something like that. And her, she was sitting on her mother's lap. And her mother said, "Well, why are they doing this? And why are they doing this? And why do you do this?" And she just kept going on with this. And her daughter just turned to her and said, Mom, it's just a movie. So kids are not as, as um, there's some that probably, you know, that they should kind of watch that do take these things seriously, but they kind of know a, uh, the difference between something that's real and something that's not real. So, yeah, old, yeah. older people are the worst. They're the worst people to watch junk food TV with. They make you feel so bad by watching it. Yeah, but you know what? A lot of people, I don't know, when I was a younger person, you know, watching anything that was junk food, it's kind of like those questions they ask is, well, if you're watching this, don't you, should you be doing something else kind of thing, you know? That kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, well, it's you to watch this. Don't you, you know? have what to do? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is what you, I heard that there was a really good documentary PBS tonight about, about screwdrivers on yeah exactly so that that watching this yeah Mr. Well, Johnson's well, son yeah. is watching that documentary on screwdrivers and he's going to Harvard. <laughs> well, the thing is, you hope you have like count built-in counter programming because I remember once that I um, heard my mother yelling from uh, she was in. I was in the back of the house and she was in the front and I heard her yelling this, you know, really blood curdling screams. I'm thinking, okay, maybe a lizard got in the house or a rat or something like that. And I came running up to the front to see what she was upset about. And what she was upset about was she was trying to tell the rest on the screen not to come off the ropes again because they're going to be waiting for him. Uh-huh. So I learned that if it was between one and two on Saturday Saturday afternoon and she was yelling in the front of the house, she was just watching wrestling so I could, you know, pay attention, don't could just ignore it and everything. Okay. See, your mom has uh, her own guilty pleasures. Oh yeah. There you go. Well, you know, the, the thing is I had uh, I watched if I watched the Mary Tyler Moore show or the Bob Newhart show, I had rough neck. Roughneck uncles and make me feel bad about watching that. Yeah. So why are you watching this shit for? It's like, uh, it's just, I like it. <laughs> no. I saw this the show. The thing is, then they then they turn on your your mother. It's you allowing him to watch this. Yeah, go out to be a wimp. Yeah. And Why are you watching that documentary about screwdrivers? <laughs> yeah, I become a mechanic like the rest of us. <laughs> you know? The heck? But yeah, so um, you know, we would you know go back and forth, but uh Sonia, 
Yeah. Any of your junk TV selection? Well, one, the first one is also sort of a comfort food because some of the memories associated with it. But I still love watching He-Man and the She-Ra universe stuff. Oh, my gosh. We used to watch uh, He-Man when we were... That is not junk. ...in school, man. That's not junk. That's that's classic TV elevated. What's wrong with you? <laughs> well, I also watched the Kevin Smith version of and the movies. I did not see the other animated version yet that was on Netflix, only because we had to drop Netflix before I could watch it. But um, that one has great memories, too, because my grandmother used to babysit a little girl, and she'd be sound asleep in her crib in my grandmother's room, which was on the other side of the house. Mm -hmm. And she'd hear that, that. Remember how it had the bells in the beginning to signify it was a filmation production? Yeah. She'd hear those bells running, and before the last bell, she's sitting beside me watching He-Man. That's cute. That's, that's And so we never could figure out how she did it, so we had to set up a camera one day just to see how she did it. And uh, you thought cats were ingenious getting out of uh, enclosed things? This little girl took it to a whole new level. That's cool. And, she's and, and, show, which is ready to go. Yep, and, and, I, and I'm and now she's a mom, and I'm hoping she's sharing those shows with her mom. I haven't, we haven't seen her in like 30 years, but I'm hoping that she's sharing them with her kids. Yeah, YouTube has a because uh, I'm a He-Man fan too. You, YouTube has like the entire season like of He-Man, and and just like Jerry Springer at the end of He-Man, there's a no, final is this, yeah, final thought. Lovely though, in He-Man. Yeah, but yeah, and the Kevin Smith. I was watching all the incels lose their ish, over different stuff, and I was like, y'all obviously not paying attention. So the yeah, the next season's coming on right now, and I'm like, how do I get Netflix so I can watch it? Yeah, because that's a. That, I thought it was really good, and the thing is that I think, you know, yes, you have the stuff when you were a kid, and this is not supposed to be a rehashing. Of what it was that we saw as you know when we were you know in our younger selves it's supposed to be growing grown up version of what we saw when we were younger and you know it's okay to get older and you know if you want to live in that nostalgia world you can go see those shows just but, like but that. see see that's the thing you know the parents you've seen those enough shouldn't you be doing that's what i would get yeah or yeah that's guilt. right you can't watch you can't right. watch repeats can't right, or the other guilt I would get is the seventh the shows that I was watch on Friday night to Saturday morning, because of Seven Day Adventists aren't supposed to watch TV, so that was the mm -hmm. the guilt part of then. So that was those were shows like Isis, The Powers of Matthew Starr, The Phoenix, most Saturday morning cartoons, Isis, and well, wait, wait a minute all, though, wait if you if you weren't supposed to be watching them, how do you know that? Show. It's called the guilt stuff. I would guilt my family into you gotta let me watch it, and and so you know. But well, because they can. The, you know why? Everybody outside the family considered them junk foods because they were Sabbath breakers. That's what we call them in our house, the Sabbath breakers. So if I was feeling, you know, if I was particularly good, I was allowed two Sabbath breakers. I'd had to decide which one of my shows I would get to watch. Yeah, but the positive thing is this, that, you know, 
understand that you have to live in a society beyond your house so other people are interacting and you need to at least do some stuff to be able to interact with other people you know with to talk about you know yeah but i was also going to a parochial school and all that so that the, the, all the people that i would be interacting with wouldn't be watching these shows awesome yeah. you? you went to seventh um, in school I went to six first through sixth grade. I was in seventh day Adventist school. I didn't even know seventh day Adventist had schools. Oh yeah, uh, some of the, was it boys to men or take six, take six. I think the rock the acapella boys uh -huh. group whatever. Yeah, yeah, they're from Oakwood. Well, it's now Oakwood University. Excuse me. When I was growing up, it was Oakwood College. That's a seventh day Adventist college. I had no idea. I am, where's that at? I today uh, old. When Huntsville, I was Alabama. Younger, found out that oh, there Alabama. were some day Adventist colleges and universities, they years old. That's schools hey. like that. That's schools like that in New York. Yeah, the Northeastern Academy was the high school, and I can't remember what the college was. And there's a college. There was a college in Massachusetts. It closed down. No, um, I'm talking about the normal, like, uh, you know, grades one, one yeah. through twelve. Where, where, where one, are those located? Uh, the High school is in Manhattan. There's um, the elementary schools all across the city. Uh, you know where Boston Road is down? I'm trying to think. I can't remember intersections now. But we lived on Boston Road, and there was a school right around the corner, right off the Boston Road, because I used to yeah. walk to school. I don't know what that is. Wow. So, yeah, see, I, I had no reason to watch these shows. Except for the fact that the kids saw the advertisement and then pestered the hell out of the mother and the grandmother until she got to watch the shows. So I was feeling guilty. You would feel guilty not only for leading myself down a sin-filled road, but I was leading my mother and my grandmother down a sin-filled road. Because, of course, they have to watch them with me. Well, you live in the world. You're not of the world. You're in the world. Watching these shows, I was both. Now, yes, Matthew Starr had the saving grace of having Louis Gossett Jr. in the cast, but I wasn't watching it for Louis Gossett Jr. I was watching it for Peter Barton. I don't okay. even know what that show is. What I was going to say the exact same thing. What is this Matthew Starr you speak of? Powers of Matthew Starr mm -hmm. was about a young alien prince, prince. and his men, his uh, mentor, guardian, tutor, like figure played by Luz Gossett Jr. And they come to Earth because he's being threatened on his planet. And so they come to Earth to try and escape these folks and they follow him to Earth. So not only does he have to deal with Earth high school teenage angst, he also has to deal with aliens trying to kill him. I don't, I didn't want, was it so, good? I, I never heard you know, it wasn't good. It wasn't good, but it was Matt Peter Barton and Louis Gossett Jr. And it yeah. did get me a good hug from Louis Gossett Jr. when he showed up at Dragon Con because I actually knew what it was. Yeah, he should have hugged you. He definitely should have hugged you because that sounded like garbage. <laughs> yeah, low production values. Uh, so that didn't help things a lot. I it was know. on NBC. It was on NBC, right? Yeah. NBC, yeah. Yeah. And then I, I, the. Yeah, and yeah, then there was I, I the Phoenix, yeah. which yeah. had Justin Scott, who also known as Khan's right-hand man in The Wrath of Khan. Um, 
And I just realized today that it was only on for five episodes. I remember much more, which means I had my little fantasy world about it and was writing it myself. Because my mom found some old scripts that I was, before I knew what scripts were, trying to write scripts for the Phoenix. Well, was it, uh, did they did they air five episodes or did they like do okay. five episodes? No, Matthew Starr actually lasted an entire season. So that was 26 episodes. That's a lot. Back in the day. That's a lot. Um, yeah. That's like, that's like Phoenix, two or three seasons. Well, now it's two or three seasons. Back then it was only a season. Yeah. Um, uh, the Phoenix only, I've discovered, only had five episodes. So I'm trying to remember, how do I know more episodes? And it must be, I was writing them. You must, yeah, you must have fallen down a flight of stairs or something. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, so I wish we had kept some of those early forms of my writing, but. Oh, okay. I don't even know what this is. The Phoenix was about a alien who came to Earth looking for his mate. His Something had happened and his mate had to escape. There was some kind of an accident and his mate had to escape down to Earth. So he came to Earth looking for her. Mm. And the bad guys, of course, the government are trying to capture an alien. Ah. You know. Now, did yeah, she have a mate or was she just from Canada? I don't know, because it was only lasted garbage? five episodes. Was it garbage? Probably. <laughs> it only lasted five episodes, probably. <laughs> right? Huh? Well, that's before I even realized, because Star Trek for me was drama back then. I did, you know, I never realized that Star Trek, or it was future forecasting. Because I always thought back then the world's going to be exactly like it's going to be in Star Trek. So they're just predicting the future. Well, right. you know, the, th- the thing is about Penelope, the thing is about the uh, the trashy stuff, the, at least the stuff that I watched. One thing I could not tolerate. Mm-hmm. It had to be high. It had to have high production values. Yeah. It, cannot be tra- it cannot be trash and also have low production values. Right. I couldn't, it couldn't be both. Yes, but, right? Yeah, but when I was a kid, you don't really think about production values as much. You're just getting caught up in the story. Oh, no, I do. No, I do. Oh, I do, too. That's why, that's why I couldn't watch uh, Space 1999. I could not watch it because the production values were garbage. It looked like it made out of a, a basement in London somewhere. Or something. Yeah, they were. <laughs> not land down Barbara Bain. How could we not watch this? And uh, Lieutenant Gerard, because the, the production values were garbage. Well, so okay. I could not watch anything. Gil Gerard was in the Space 1999, was he? Yeah. Um, um, Lieutenant, um, what's his name? Um, from uh, The Fugitive, Lieutenant Gerard, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. No, not Gil Gerard. That's, that's why I could watch that travesty called Buck Rogers. I can watch that. Because it had good, it had good production values. It was garbage, but then it cut down on their, on their, the way it looked or anything like that. I can't stand both. It got to be one or the other. It can't be both. Yeah. Yeah, I watched Buck Rogers as well. Yeah, it was trash. And and, and I have to say one another thing. I do not believe that a trash show is any show that you were that you watched as a child. Because I think it can only be junk if you choose to watch it as an adult. 
Why can't you choose to watch it as a child? Because our choices were so narrowed. You know, we didn't get to choose too much. It's like, not just catch can, but, you know, people allow us to watch us. You got to watch what you can. Even shows you didn't necessarily like, you had to watch them because, you know, that's the only access you have to the television. So guilty pleasure, anything like this, junk TV, junk food TV, you choose it and you're choosing it as an adult. Then that would be Highlander. Really? Except for the second movie. (laughs) I loved Adrian Paul as the Highlander. I even bought the fact that Connor McCloud had a cousin and somehow it escaped the quickening from the first movie. You gotta believe whatever whatever it takes, huh? I even believe the switchblade katana. (laughs) All right. Whatever it takes, then okay. Yes, that that is her junk food TV. Now, there was one thing about Buck Rogers that Ed, watching as an adult that you found out, at least for the first season, is that the people who were doing it were like science fiction fans because uh, the dumb thing that they would do is whenever they had a scene that took place, place in the spaceport, they would have all these announcements and they would put in little science fiction Easter egg things in there. Like one that I remember, the first time I noticed it, was the announcement was for uh, Mr. Bradbury, will you please uh, an- uh, report to Terminal 451, you know, so they would do little things like that so you'd listen for the name drops. The second season, it just went totally off the rail. Um, and, uh, you know. It's probably because they didn't expect to have a second season. Yeah, that could have been it. And, uh, and also they had changed a lot of the uh, Kenters, you know, they gave um, Aaron Gray a short skirt, and all she had to do was sit and uh, answer, and essentially answer hailing frequencies for the entire episode. Yeah, it's garbage. I yeah. think Gary Coleman was on there at one point, right? He was, yes. He was a smart kid who was uh, going to um, do it. They were trying to kidnap him and stuff. He was, he was like a super wrestling crusher, Will, uh, Will uh, Robinson and stuff, you know, so. Yeah, it's trash. But the one thing is, it has very good production value as far as I'm concerned. It looked good. It didn't, it didn't look like Space 1999, which is like a high, like I said, a high school, like a high school production. Well, that was a Jerry Anderson production, and he was used to doing things with puppets. So he could do things with humans. Well, he did do one that was like a precursor to that, and I can't remember the name of it offhand, but it had this super secret uh, Earth Defense Force that had a base on the moon, and the women all wore these silver, I think they were silver, like, coveralls, and they all had purple hair for some reason. Okay. What was the name of that? I can't remember the name of it, but it lasted, I think, for a couple of seasons, and, you know, and then it come quietly disappeared because it was one of those direct syndication things. Uh, yeah, well, I think, I think uh, Penelope, you had, you need to admit that Space 1999 was one of your junk uh, junk food shows. You know, if you think it's junk food, then I'm going to admit it because I, I love Space 1999. I watch it all the time. Now, this is the thing. Again, as I said, I was uh, not an adult yet. So I cannot be blamed for wanting to watch anything that's science fiction because it took up. Oh, time. I get it. All hands off with you, right? Mm-hmm. Hands off, my lovelies. No. I was in space, please. I'm um, throwing now. Clarence has got me thinking. 
trying to remember what the show. I remember watching the show he was talking about, but I can't remember what it was called. I watched uh, Felix the Cat. Yes, that wasn't junk. Uh, yes, it's absolute junk. No, it's and not. Let me tell you why it's junk. Because I re I, I rewatched it uh, just recently. I'm going through it again, and it absolutely makes no sense whatsoever. It's like Felix has a magic bag that makes no sense already. And then you have the professor who tries to kill kill Felix and get his bag, or just get his bag. And then another episode, Felix is babysitting for the professor. He's babysitting Poindexter. Right. That 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 don't make no sense. Come on. But yeah. Good production values. Felix the cat. Yeah. A wonderful, yeah. wonderful cat. As a matter of fact, I think it's the longest animated um, a character in animation history. It predates uh, uh, Mickey Mouse and Mortimer and all that stuff. And and it seems it appears that Walt Disney, surprise, surprise stole Mickey Mouse from the Felix the Cat, which debuted, I think, in 1919. Yeah, maybe. Oh, no, no maybe about it. And, and of course, Felix the Cat, as we know, as me and Penelope had a discussion with his magic bag, he didn't have a magic bag until 1950-something. And then all of a sudden, he reappeared with the magic bag. And uh, that's that's the one we are familiar with, but um, yeah, it's it's trash. Mm. Well, you know what I was thinking about when you said that. What's the name of that other show? Crazy Cat. You remember that? Oh yeah, the one that the one with the monster that hit the cat in the head with a brick. Yeah, Ignatz, remember that? What the hell was that all about? When I was a kid, you don't really know, you don't realize until you become an adult that, you know, level of abuse. I didn't like that. I never liked that as a kid. And then, what the hell's going like on? It. I didn't like it, but you know what? Then you realize this is how you get people, groomed people to accept. Well, you know what? It, no, to me, to be honest, when I saw that as a kid, it gave me a sicky feel in the pit of my stomach. I didn't know... I didn't, it did. It just didn't register with me. I, I don't know what was what was what was that all about. I mean, the thing is, to me, it's the concept of making it like you should laugh when somebody is injured like that, and she says, "Oh, he loves me," so nobody's dragging him off to jail or you know, you know beating his butt or anything because it's okay. Because she says, "What's the history?" But what's the history behind that? Anybody know? I don't. Um, Cranston, you got anything on it? What? Which? Which one was that? Crazy Cat. Oh no, I was never a Crazy Cat fan. Um, I think it was just one of those things before when they had a lot of independent studios before they got swooped up by like Hanna Barbera and Warner Brothers Animation, and um, they just kind of disappeared. And it's one that lives on in the hearts of their. Um, of their viewers and stuff, but I was never a Crazy Cat fan. Crazy Cat Ignatz of Officer Pup. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty, yeah, that's you know, pretty bad. Shows, I think to make, you know, certain individuals accept the fact that somebody can brutalize you and all you have to say is, oh, that they love you and everything's okay. 
You know, but don't get me started on Alex Toss. So you know that. Oh God, you know what? what I keep saying I don't know if that show is even on anymore. Where's yeah, it, it is. Well, yeah, we should. It's on the YouTube. Tell them that they need to, you know, I mean, it's on YouTube. But I'm saying on their actual channels and stuff, streaming. I think they boomerang. Cut, you know? Yeah, the opening needs to be cut. I think it's a boomerang, but no, nah, yeah. it's not going to be changed. It's never going to be changed. Yeah, they need to cut the opening because I think it was, it's it's a scene and offensive. You know? And done on well, purpose. Got good, got good production value. And done on purpose. Yeah. You know? Nothing because there's no reason. No reason. I mean, no reason for that. None. Well, you know, also gar- before we before we get out of here, the other garbage mm-hmm. I like that I watch is Good Times. You gotta you gotta give a bunch, you know, high sign of good times. Shout time. out to Good Times. Shout out to Good Times. It's it's trash. I shouldn't be watching it. When when it when it first came out, my aunt told me, Don't watch that show. It's a stereotype of black people, blah, blah, blah. I watch that show every week. So I can get get my hand and I watch that show. And you know what? I didn't believe my aunt. I thought that she was, you know, old and crazy. Um, she turned out she was right. And and a matter of fact, I was I was I was a, uh, I was doing my research on Good Times and Jimmy Walker, and he, Jimmy Walker was saying that the people on that show they had no interaction whatsoever with each other after the show or during the show, other than the script. I can kind of believe that. And and Walker says that one thing that he wanted to do was to make Bernadette Stannis like Farrah Fawcett. Like Farrah Fawcett got like 50,000 pictures of her, cheesecake pictures of her sent out every week. And he thought the same idea was going to, it could happen with Bernadette Stannis. And that John Amos and Norman Lear just came, up, came down on him like a house of uh, bricks. Why? Why? Because they 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 thought they did that they didn't want Bernadette Stannis to be in that that sex sexy you know what you call the realm of the Fair Fawcett. He thought Bernadette Stannis. He said they got so many letters from from people, especially servicemen, you know, with uh, being Bernadette Stannis fans. They wow! Just to, they just needed to pick up a copy of Right On magazine. She was always in that. Yeah, but she wasn't yeah. in the cheesecake pictures like like Farrah Fawcett. Yeah, they said, I mean, it's not over at the time. How old was Bernadette Stannis at the time? Oh, uh, she was of age. I think they should have done it. Well, I, I would say that was probably a Norman Lear decision that, you know, he didn't want to be... Um, didn't want to be uh, associated with something that be could that could be construed as a softcore pornography or something. But the people who do themselves for fair it didn't have that problem. I that mean, was that was Aaron Spelling though, right? He didn't he didn't want to be Aaron Spelling, I guess. But you know what? I mean, you know, I mean, the things that I saw, the ones I saw of Fair Fawcett back in the day, they're just cheesecake, you know, pictures. There was nothing that was, you know. Racy or nasty, you know, there's a cheesecake. 
Yeah, but I'm sure a lot of I'm sure a lot a lot of religious people didn't want that. Yeah, that poster in their house. You know, she was in a she was in a uh, uh, a tight fitting bikini. She was smiling with broadly. If you look close enough, you can see maybe a nipple or something. I don't think so, but I think it's just that um, you have a lot of people, a lot of black people, especially who are very over religious, and especially coming in that period. Um, had issues about black people being sexualized at all, and that and it remains today. You know, there's like, you know, the opposing ends, no middle ground. So I think it's more that than anything else. Well, anyway, it's an interesting background on that show. It's, it's like, it's like uh, Walker basically said that, you know, he came off the stage as a, uh, as a stand-up comedian, and and everyone else has was an actor. And he felt that there was no interaction whatsoever and with him at all. And well, I think probably it was because that he that everybody else found out that suddenly their lines and screen time was being cut to make more room for him, and him being like stand up and not a real actor and stuff. They had to feel a little bit stung by that. So <laughs> I can see why they wouldn't be talking to him either. Yeah, but his thing was like, why are people complaining? We're all making a lot of money. Let's be quiet. Which kind of makes sense, but, you know. I know if I see it, but think about it this way. He's getting a lot of lines. He's getting a lot of time. After the thing is over, this run is over, because he's got all this screen time, it's more likely that he will be able to get another job. Especially because he also has, you know, a stand-up, you know, comedian job, he has more of an option to, you know, get more employment. Where with their lines being eroded, they have less of an opportunity to, you know, get their next gig. So I well, this, yeah, well, if you see the whole thing as a, a one big joke, you know, and everybody else sees it as, you know, my chance to do. Well, the big thing about actors. Well, the whole thing about actors is how much screen time do you get? And if the story has revolved around JJ's antics and all you get to do is comment on them at the beginning of the episode, the middle of the episode is JJ's stuff, and then he, you come back in at the end, you know, you're, you're essentially a guest star on a series where you're supposed to be one of the main characters. How much? And how you much don't have much to show. You don't have anything to present for any kind of awards because you're not getting much screen time with the number of lines. You have to have so many number of lines to qualify for best actor or best supporting or whatever. So you can't even submit any of your work for consideration. That would help you move on to the next project. But goes on to say why why John Amos should have stayed with MTM. Yep, he probably would have. He would have had a lot of screen time. He would have had a lot of screen time, a lot of lines. You know, he would have had a Golden Globe nomination, Emmys. Yeah, but it's what they do is they uh, the actors have fragile and exaggerated egos, even the ones that are centered. 
And so they tell you that you're going to be the star of this show and it's a Norman Lear show and you're going to get a golden time spot and everything like that. And then you find out that all the stuff they promised you isn't happening. And when you complain about it, they says, well, we're going to send you to Alaska and kill you off, you know. Yeah, but just sixth grade education. (laughs) Yep, there you go. Yeah, it's kind of sad, though, when you think about it. You know, but you yeah, think, but I watched that because I because I looked the way Jimmy Walker Walker looked at the show, which was it, it's a joke, and I was too young and naive to know that it's not it's it's a joke, but the joke is on me, really. Right. It's on people. Yeah, it's not really a it's not a shared it's not a shared laughter. Is that right? Is that They're laughing accurate? at you. They're not laughing with you. They're laughing at you. No. And I think it's rough because, again, young person, you're at the start of your career and not understanding, you know, what these other people know about, you know, this industry. You know, you just go from stand-up comic to slide into this show. And and when he slid into the show, he suddenly probably believed that he's just going to be a supporting actor in it. You know, and at that age, how wonderful you feel. Well, gosh, you know, I'm doing so well that they're giving me more lines, more stuff. You're not thinking that this is a zero-sum pie. It's bounded. When you get more, that means somebody else has to take less. You know, he's not thinking that. He's not, you know, it's not something he even considers. Well, who, you know, when you're watching that show, who, who's thinking that any of that stuff is going behind the scenes? You know, you're just watching the show and, you know, who, who, you know, why would you think white people think that that show is real or that the, mm-hmm. the actors don't get along, all that other nonsense is going on? You have no idea. Well, that's why they call it acting. It's the idea that we're a family because we all hug at the end of the episode and they have those moments where the audience goes, oh, when something happens. And as soon as they yell, Claire, you know, you storm off to your dressing room and that's it. You know what? When I finally, when I first realized that that was the case. It's when I was, you know, kid and it's the show Zoom. I don't know if anybody else watched Zoom. Yep. You're going to Zoom, 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 Zoom. I could even do the little hand motion, yeah. That they, on that show, on the one season, it was the end of the season and they had all of the kids talking. And all of the kids were talking about how much, you know, they liked like this, the crew, how great the crew was and how helpful. And not one of them said anything positive or good or mentioned the, their colleagues on the show. And I was just so sad. You know, it's like they're there, they do the thing, they're acting, they're doing all this stuff together, and they weren't even friends. I mean, it's not even like they didn't even like each other, which obviously they did not, but they wouldn't even mention each other as if they didn't even exist. And that's when I first realized wow. These people go through entire seasons acting like they're buddies and friends, and really there's nothing there. And I, I mean, that it's kind of like a wake-up call to me regarding what people in the industry must go through, you know? But that's when I first realized it. Well, it can get so crazy, I think, just before she was written off of The Good Wife that uh, Juliana Margulies and... Uh, um, I can't think of her first name, but Punjabi did not were not getting along at all, and it was so bad. The only way they could film a scene of them together, 
they would have to film the scene separately with stand-ins and then splice the film together to make it look like they were actually talking to each other. Wow. I had no idea that she and Archie Punjabi did not like each other. Uh, yeah, they never did exactly say why. Well, one, <laughs> one, one theory was, of course, that Punjabi won the... Uh, won an Emmy the same year she was nominated and she didn't, so that might have been it. Or, or again, it could have been more screen time, even though you still get paid the same if you're on salary, whether you're in the episode or not. But whatever happened, it went that, and because she was a little higher in the uh, credit, that the next thing you knew, uh, season goes away and decided, oh, well, she took a job doing something somewhere else, and we won't see her again or talk about her. Wow. I knew they didn't get along, but I did not know it was to that extent. Oh yeah, it was it was really bad. They, they, they didn't get physical. It wasn't as bad as uh, Kate Mulgrew and uh, Jerry Ryan on Voyager, but uh, it was pretty bad and everything, you know. Well, wait a minute. Are you telling that Kate Mulgrew and Jerry Ryan had a physical altercation? They never had a physical altercation, but uh, they would do things like that suit that. Um, Jerry Ryan had to wear was like they had to sew her into it literally and stuff to make it fit as well as it did. So she had to go to the bathroom. They'd have to sew her out of it. And Mulgrew was starting to say, well, you're holding up filming. So we're going to have to go ahead and finish this scene. So it got pretty uh, contentious. It was never physical or anything, but everything but that. Now, since then, they have, uh, that Mulgrew has come back and apologized for her behavior because she was saying that she was thinking that um, they were going to do a show with a female lead and everything, and then they bring in eye candy just for the ratings. I thought, was, I never thought of Seven and Nine as eye candy to me. Neither did I. I didn't think it was eye candy. I, in fact, one of my favorite scenes is her and Tuvok. And they're they're not saying anything to each other because they're just they don't have to because they're they're working they're more. Yeah, I, I I never thought of Jerry. I mean, maybe that was the intent. That's that so was fucking. Intent. It's so fucking stupid. It was the intent, but Jerry Jerry Ryan just elevated the role to me. Then if that was the case, because I really liked her character, and uh, one of my least favorite episodes. Is the one where, you know, the guy she said the guy violated her, and then he's killed, and then he's, and then later on said, "Well, look what you did," blah blah blah. And hated that episode, but I never thought of seven and nine as eye candy. Yeah, and I'm gonna tell you, I mean that that show, that um, you know how they have certain shows where, um episodes where your know, shows say that they should be ashamed of, they should want to get rid of, or that's the one that they need to remove from Voyager. They need to take that and destroy it. It is the most offensive show I've ever seen in my life. Basically saying a woman says that she's been violated, but it's all in her head. They should be ashamed of that. So, yeah, but there are a lot of things that you look back at and you realize, you know, and I used to watch this because they did some things that were a little problematic now. Even if there were no Me Too movement or anything like that, you say, yeah, they kind of went over the went over the line with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think you know, the problem, I, I'm still trying to process this eye candy thing because the thing is, is that to me, it's like, 
you know, the storylines of some of the things she's uh, seven to nine does and says, I'm not, I can't, I'm not eye candy ish to me. Yeah. I mean, there's a scene where she says basically to Harry, let's get it on. That, Go, you oh, know, you want to have sex? Let's just do it. You yeah, know, I, she's not thinking that. Yeah, well, I love the fact that you know, she walked around, it, it was seen, if she was completely naked, she would not be aware of her nudity. You know, it'd just be like, this is just the body that I'm in. And I'm walking around. And I'm yeah, the sexuality was, yeah. I mean, I, I think, yeah. you know, they did a great job of taking this, for me at least, yeah, I taking agree. the sexuality out of it and putting the intellectual, like, boiled down to the essence kind of mm-hmm. thinking where, you know, some things matter and a lot of things don't to me. Right. And so, yeah. Which I appreciate that kind of thinking. I like I like that kind yeah, of thinking. So did I. Well, that that's what they said. But among the uh, showrunners, they 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 freely admitted that that's what they did. They said the ratings were going down. The first thing was they said we got too many people, and they're going to get rid of a uh, character. And it came down to either Harry Kim or uh, Cass. Oh, thank God, Cass. Thank God. Well, but and it was it was a coin toss, and they were leaning toward getting rid of Harry. But it turns out that that year, um, People Magazine had named him one of the sexiest, one of the what sexiest men, or something like that. And that's what saved his job, People Magazine. So they got rid of uh, Jennifer Lean. Well, no, Jennifer Lean had some other issues. Too. Well, yeah, that that didn't help either. So, but yeah. What were other issues? A lot Medi- Well, they're now di- now you can tell that there were medical issues. Back then, they thought it was personality issues. Oh, she oh she had mental issues. Yes, because she had I come from like the that. world of soap. Think- she had come from the world of soap operas, which was a total. And I know Kate Mulgrew did too, so she was trying to mentor her. But it was a there's a difference when Kate Mulgrew was the female ingenue in a soap. So when Jennifer Lean was a female ingenue on soaps, they treated them differently. <clears throat> so I don't know anything about that, but I hated that Kess character. On, uh, I just, I just, I could do without it. And I think the show got better when she was gone. I want to tell you another thing that I did not like about the Kess character: the way that they formulated that character, and then just me and you know the way I think about stuff. It's, it's just kind of like the way that a child molester would want to yeah. create a character. And then, you know. Why do you say child. that? Do you understand what I'm saying, Cranston? Yeah. That, that, was, that was something that a lot of people brought up later. Where she was a character who aged backwards. And um, so at the time he met her, she was technically like a teenager. And obviously Neelix was not a teenager. Yeah, actually, it was younger than that. Because understand. For her old age, when she said the one episode where they talked about aging, there was a one uh, a guy who was one of their people, and he said, "How old do you think I am?" I said, "I don't know." And he said, "14." She's like, "Oh, my God, 14? You get to be that old? You know, your age? You know, we can live that long?" So she was only like about six years old. Okay, yeah. so this is the thing, you know, I, and in my mind. This I always thought that the Kess character, the way it's formulated, was a means of justification for child molesters to say, "Well, she looked older," <laughs> you know that. It's that. People. That's the way they age, so that means on her planet it's legal, just like in Mississippi. Yeah, exactly. 
So yeah, that's I I did not like that. I thought that you know I don't understand why they thought that that was a good idea. Um, but I thought yeah, this is the type of type of thing that someone who is a, a child molester would write in order to justify the thought process that well, see, she although she is only six years old, she presents you know like an adult. She talks you know like an adult looks like a you know come on come on. So yeah, I always had problems with that. You know, and again, like you say, Neelix is, you know, a heck of a lot older than than that. And, you know, looked, you know, a heck of a lot older than that. So, you know, I always thought it was, yeah, it was very cringy. Also, you know, one of my least favorite characters, too, Neelix. Yeah. So putting <laughs> Neelix and Kess together is like, you could put them all on a space shuttle to the sun, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, and they had to do a lot of work on Nixon's character to redo. I that. felt like too far, man. I felt like I felt like choking his ass. Yeah, I mean, they had to do a lot of work on that character to um, bring him into the the ambit of being the type of um, any type of good character development. You know, because before that, he's just to me, you know, an individual who's just you know ingratiating you know, all the time, but then they really worked on it, giving them much more of a backstory. And I think yeah. that, that helped. But, you know, remember, remember Tuvix though? Oh my yeah. gosh. That was, I loved the Tuvix episode. And I loved at the end when Janeway's in her ready room and then she just gets up. Nope, gets up and walks out. That was it. You know, it's just like, no, Oh man, I'm I'm really you know conflicted about this. And once she made up her mind, that was the end of it. And that was getting ready to happen. And that was it. When the doctor says, "Well, I cannot do this because I can do it," I said, "Step aside." It's like I know how to I know how to do this myself. You know, I can do it myself. I'm a science officer, so hey, all right. Yeah, exactly. Step aside. I'll handle it. You don't want to do it. That's great. But you know, this person exists, but only. I mean, I I want to tell you, if I were Tuvok or Neelix, and I found out that the doctor did that, you know, you know, so that he did not feel that he could do that. I would remember that. That would be a sore spot. <laughs> that would be a real yeah. sore spot with me that you will allow this person to continue knowing that that would mean the two of us individually are our deaths, basically. You know, like, you know, um, Tuvok, I got a family. I got kids, you know, I got a, a mate. And you, you erase that so that this thing who wants to hook up with cats, you know, that's wonderful for them. But what about my family? Yeah. You know? That's great, but I got a family too. And cats, like, you know, this is nice. But, you know, I would really like to have, you know, my guy back. You know, you're nice and everything. You know, we be friends, but, you know, it's not the same. You're not that guy, you know? And I thought that was interesting. I, I like that episode a lot. But I like Voyager a lot. I mean, that's... I don't consider that junk, my junk TV. That's not, that's not even guilty pleasure. That is an absolute pleasure. Of how many times we've watched Voyager, you know, from beginning to end, and again and again. And it's such a great show. So yeah, not guilty pleasure, not junk TV. This, the Voyager doesn't belong in this discussion, you know. Except for the sucky episodes. Yeah, yeah that 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 episode, that thing. Oh, they're trying to make seven and nine into a sex symbol. That is weird to me because 
even though it's their goals to try to understand then if that's the case and you say it is, then yeah. what, what were they trying to, um, to show, I don't, to demonstrate, I don't get it. Because not, I mean, so don't you think that it is then quintessential objectification? It was, yeah. Because she is not a person who is, you know, trying to get out there, get with this guy, that guy, that girl, this girl, whatever. Nobody. She's just doing her thing. I but guess they just want you to. I guess they just want you to look at her body or something. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Same reason why they have that sonic or whatever shower in, in uh, Enterprise. Yeah, I don't get it. They think that they're, and that's another thing I have. They th thought their target audiences were men of a certain age yeah. and never really looked at their actual rating statistics yeah. and demographics. But as far as they were concerned, it did work because the ratings did show a spike after the introduction. Because the shows are better. Yeah, because the character was better. <laughs> the but but they, think it, they think it's because of one thing and it was actually because of another. They, did, they never asked why. Yeah, that people started watching again. But one thing is that even though it took them six seasons to do it, even that and just took one line and one episode where the one where um they got a new for the Enterprise and uh, yeah. he, well, yeah. Counselor Choice said uh, next time you come just put on a real uniform, and for the rest of the series she actually wore a real uniform instead of what uh, the actor called her cosmic cheerleader outfits and everything. Yeah. So thank you that I get to be like everybody else, you yeah. know? Yeah, I mean, you got you to gotta be, like like Sonia said, you got to be run by incels if you think that, that that's sexy and that, you know, people are, if, if that's where you get your sex from, you, but that's you need what, to get out more. Cause, that's oh, where the suits and the bean counters. Yeah. Well, the yeah, one of the things that uh, Les Moons is, was accused of doing was, sending out memos saying that to fire certain uh, female performers because they didn't have enough breasts. So, yeah, they, they that is a thing. That's the most, you know what? You, you're absolutely right. I'm not, I'm not going to dispute, you know, you know, Les Moonviz or whatever his fucking name is. But, you know, the thing is, is that that's what they think of their audience. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's what they think of us. You know, and the thing is, is that they think that we're some closeted incel and that's where we get our sex from. I got to watch some, some damn show. It's some woman in a tight fitting outfit or some guy in a tight fitting outfit. That's where people get their sex from. That's sad. Yeah. But unfortunately, those are the people that make those, that make the decisions. Yeah. And your limited knowledge of how the world works and how people are, then they're making these decisions. Yeah, they're like a 14-year-old boy, you know? Yeah. yeah. Basically, the latest example of that is the folks who own CW, Warners and Paramount, essentially gave CW to Next Service. They just said, take over the debt, and you have it. And, and now they're trying to age the network. And I'm like, well, if you actually paid attention to the demographics that CW was getting, you would know that, yes, they aimed their programs towards teenagers, but that's not the demographics they were getting. Yeah. Because the thing they do not understand, for instance, if you have things like The Flash or 
you know, um, Green Arrow, that a lot of people, you know, in their 50s, 60s, 40s, whatever, and beyond, read the comic books. Right. Yeah. So they're watching it not because of the fact that you, you know, put some young this or that, but they're looking at the storylines from the comic books that were read. You know, That's, you know, and that was the reason why I didn't put it down as my junk food list, because even as bad as the Flash stories got, I could still find some tie into the comic books. So they yeah. weren't completely junk food for me. Right. You know, these are things but, that yeah. hey, reminds me of back in the day when I was able to read these, you know, take me away from my problems, you know, things going on and the school or just, you know, the, you know, relax, you know, fun. It's great, a, you know, a great storyline, right? Yeah. So yeah. I don't, I, yeah. They that's don't, what's, they, yeah, that's what saved the arrow from being on my the arrowverse from being on my junk food list. Oh wow, what is that? So yeah, we're, we're kind of winding down to our final minutes. So um I would just ask you all, uh start with you, Sonia, on your list of the junk food TV stuff. If you had to choose one, which one would you binge? If you say I got all weekend. For, okay. Using Otto and Cranston's de- combining their definitions of junk food. Because uh, I still believe junk food is in the eye of the eater um, or in the stomach of the eater. Um, I would still pick my Highlander. Although I didn't mention them. So, <laughs> I also had the Xanadu slash Rocky Horror slash Roadhouse whenever those movies come on. I just got to watch them. They may have absolutely no sense. They do have high production value, so that yes, that yes, would fit Otto's definition. Yeah. Um, but there's not a lick of sense in among them sometimes. But yeah, Highlander and those movies I would watch all the time because I'm never going to give up He-Man and She-Ra. All right. How about you, Cranston? If you had to pick one, one to binge. Which uh, one that I would binge, and this is something I am truly ashamed to admit watching because I had resisted it for so long, but it's anything in the 90-day fiancé universe, and they're like 10 Wow. Because wow. they're all train wrecks waiting to happen, and you said, okay, well, come on, uh, you know, it's, it's they're all train wrecks and everything, but, you know, but once you start watching, you still want to see, uh, well, how is this going to work out? You know, even though you know it's, it's headed for a disaster. Wow. Okay. Otto. Well, it's got to be Ren and Stimpy, you know. I mean. You know what? I'm going to say for you that you say it's Ren and Stimpy, but I think it's, uh, what is that thing called? Uh, what is it? Master Chef? What is it called? What is that thing? Oh, that- uh, Gordon Ramsay. The Gordon Ramsay show, was it? No, yeah, but yeah. no, 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 it wouldn't be that. that back to back. Oh my garbage. It's so, oh yeah, my that's, God. That's because, yeah, that's because. Get to the rescue. That is filthy. Yeah, that's not, that's not it. Hours. Filthy. And, and I don't think that that's garbage, by the way. Oh and my that, God, it is. It is completely. But, but Ren and Stimpy, <laughs> because it's connected to nothing and, and it has, it means nothing. And uh, that's not, that's why I like my junk food. There's nothing of value in it whatsoever. So I definitely like it. Okay, I'm gonna get you with that. All right, yeah, but I'm saying as that Gordon Ramsay thing, Master 
Chef, what is it? Just, just because, Penelope, just because you don't like it doesn't make it garbage. Okay. No, it's Junk food is in the eyes, is the stomach of the bowl, yeah, of the eater. Happy, happy, joy, joy. That's yeah, right. I go to happy, happy, joy, joy, man. I'm, I'm with that. That, that's, 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 that's where it's at. But that other thing. Mm. Although I have to admit, Nikki's choices for the Springer type shows. Yeah, those are pretty. Yeah, those yeah. Are pretty I like. Yeah. I, I, I have to. The problem with that is they become violent. That? They become violent. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, but they did. They became that mm -hmm. way when they got to a certain level and it started their uh, viewership. I guess started to tail off. Then they, you know. But that's when it became wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. The violence. The violence I had no problem with. It was the predictability I had a problem with. Yeah. Well, because then it just became, as you say, as we say, just another show. Yeah. Oh, you know, just changing and rearranging the, the deck chairs on the Titanic. You know, it's all the same. You know, just the same thing. So yeah, that's well, yeah, it's, I, it's a point, it's a point where junk food TV starts to take it, take this audience as junk, you know, yeah. try to dis. It disregards it has no no regard for his audience anymore. Yeah, I think you're and right. Then it becomes problematic for me. Yeah, I think you're right. But that's what really makes it truly junk when they have decided that they don't have a responsibility to produce anything of value for their or viewers. Or any or any respect for, for his audience. So little. Any respect for yeah. Yes, they, they consider so little for their audience. They just feed them anything. Whatever garbage is sitting around is good enough for you. Well, yeah. So yep, that that's out there. So I'm looking at our clock. I think it's time for us to start winding it down. Thank you all so much for being here this evening. I hate the fact that we're still down, you know, one person with James, and hopefully that we, uh, the um, the uh, conditions, you know, work will change and they'll allow him to leave soon. Um, let's let's revisit this one when James. We can get James back. Yeah, yeah. I'd be love to hear his. Yeah, yeah, because I, mean, I don't think he has a list of junk TV because he thinks everything's fine. So we'll be, I mean, I will, I'm, I, I, if he has something that is on the junk TV list, I will stop the show at that moment and we will all watch it because I can't imagine there's anything that he would say is junk. And if there is, then we must all watch it right at that moment with all of our eye drops and things we're there after to rinse our eyes out. Okay. That's going to have to happen. <laughs> so, yeah. I uh, will see, but I also William checked in, had to check out early. Nikki was with us for a while. Thankfully, she was able to get out of her junk food TV choices before she had to skedaddle. But we will be back again next week. And oh my gosh, what was the topic you told me, um, Otto? And I forgot. Otto's not here. He he got, oh. he got disconnected. Talk my cats. Okay. Oh, okay. I get it. I remember. The topic was. As he was sitting around, minding his own business, doing research for this topic and the issues regarding, you know, Jimmy Walker, he discovered that certain individuals had been considered for certain roles and whether or not the original consideration they had for certain roles would was better or for worse. For instance, and this is like completely out of the trick bag, that Eddie Murphy had been considered for Malcolm X. Mm. We got to say, what would that have looked like? We all know. Terrible. But uh, who knows? It would have been fine. I don't know. But no, yeah. it would. No, no, no. It would not. No. Yeah, no. It was terrible. It yes. And um, the other thing was that Eddie Murphy had also 
been considered for um, rush hour. And I think, okay, that might have been interesting, but I just don't think that he could have done the job that Chris Tucker did. I, think I mean, it was a different type of um, vibe. Yeah, and I think Schwarzenegger was considered for Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, so was Eddie Murphy. Well, uh, Eddie got it, but I mean, Eddie Murphy, what's the no, uh, Sylvester Stallone, Stallone. That's it. Was, it was originally, originally you know, yeah. yeah. And I mean, but you know, but he said we're to talk about these roles and all these different films. What it would have been if the persons who have been considered for it had actually taken it, better or worse. What do we think? You are not going to believe this, but I was going to suggest I was going to write that up and suggest that for for the next week and stuff. I was thinking about that very same thing. Isn't that amazing? Great mind think alike, aren't they? You y'all y'all are just simpatico, as they say. All right. So again, thank y'all so much. We know where we're headed for next week. Have a wonderful remainder of your weekend. Have a fantastic and productive week. And we'll see you back here same time in the other night. Take care. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.